So as you can see by our Advent wreath here, uh, we have one final candle to be lit, and that will be done on Christmas Eve. But we, uh, with the four, four uh, surrounding candles, we're in our fourth week, fourth Sunday today, of celebrating Advent together. And uh, I love the opportunity, frankly, to think about Christmas for a whole month, not just one day or, or one week, but to really focus in on this. I think it's a good opportunity for us to renew and, and really think about what God's doing in our lives. And our theme for Advent this month has been to receive the blessing. And uh, I, I shared with you before, this was a, a devotional put out by Vineyard USA and a number of churches are doing it. But the, the more I think about it, the, the more I'm thankful for the theme. Uh, you know, it's receive the blessing, experiencing Christ's love at Christmas. And I was reminded this week that experiencing God is one of our core values. And with, with, I, don't, I don't want to be critical of anyone, but I do want to say I think there are a, a, a lot of people today who believe in Jesus and, and who follow Jesus but don't have a real, tangible, firsthand, personal experience of him in their lives. And to me, that's so sad. That's just almost tragic. I think for us to be able to experience God in our lives in a very real and tangible way, is, is so much at the core of who we are. To be able to actually uh, see him, to, to look into his face, to hear his voice, to be able to feel God's presence when we worship, when we gather together, to truly experience God to me um, is just the most precious dynamic in our, in our whole relationship. How, to me, how can a person walk through life, uh, you, you know, I... I think by faith, you say by faith, and you, by faith, and it's like I'm gritting my teeth by faith. I, I love the opportunity to be in God's presence and to experience Him. So I'm, I don't know about you guys, I, I hope I've done justice to the series. I'm just thankful that that is the focus. And that for four weeks, uh, and, and repeated on Christmas Eve, and then even actually it, it finishes next Sunday, talk about experiencing God's presence in our lives. So as we think about and reflect on the birth of Jesus, we're also. Uh, thinking about the blessing that's available uh, and, and, and real for us in him and with him. So just quick review. We've talked about the first week, the blessing of the living water, and just how uh, sometimes our hearts become like that you know, desert uh, ground. It's just dry and hard and cracked, and Jesus pours that living water over us and, and renews our lives. We talked the second week about the blessing of the bread of life. Uh, not only does he refresh us, but he sustains us. And, uh, you know, the bread of life is not just, you know, man doesn't live by bread alone. It's not just food. It's food for our soul, and it really does sustain us through our, our life's journey with him. Last week, we talked about the blessing of the way to the Father, and that Jesus opens the door for us to, he cuts a path through all of the stuff of life and opens a door for us to come into God's presence. And so that's where we've been today. We're going to talk about the blessing of the Prince of Peace. Why don't you pray with me, we'll, we'll pray, and then we'll look at today's uh, text. Father, thanks so much for your blessing that we can experience you, that you are, in fact, Lord God, the living water that renews our hearts and souls, that you are the bread of life that sustains us, that you are the way to the Father, and this morning we thank you that you're the Prince of Peace. 
I just ask right now that your peace would be made known. That every person here would feel your peace today. Whatever the situation surrounding our lives, whatever might be happening this morning or last night or yesterday, whatever might be happening later today, that we would come into your peace now. In your name we pray. Amen. Another familiar text this morning from Isaiah. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. I mentioned first week Isaiah is um, sometimes called the Christmas prophet because he had so much to say about Advent, about the coming of Jesus. And I, I reviewed some of those Isaiah texts this week, this one and others. And, and I was just struck by this particular little phrase, the Prince of Peace. I, I think of all the things that Isaiah had to say. And I just, to me, I, I wonder sometimes what it was like for him to see those things, to, to, to have that understanding, but not really know what it would be. You know what I mean? The prophetic sort of vision of this Prince of Peace and what that would be like. Uh, that, that has to be one of the most powerful, powerful images of God in our lives, the Prince of Peace. Um, the next verse, he continues and he says, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. No end to peace, a world where there's only peace. I, I don't know if you can imagine that. Think about it for a minute. Just think about what it would be like to live in a world where there was no end to peace. There are, um, I, th- I think there are something like 18 wars going on in the world right now this minute. And the way that they calculate a war is if there are a thousand war-related, conflict-related deaths per year, then it's a war. If there are fewer than that, then it's a conflict. There are dozens of other conflicts, but 18 legitimate wars. But that doesn't include drug wars, turf wars, gang wars. It doesn't include other forms of war that take place uh, between uh, different groups of people for different reasons. It doesn't include any of the war that is happening you know, on local levels and neighborhood levels and between people and stuff all the time. It doesn't include any of the just strife and anxiety that is happening in the world today. So think about what it would be like to not have any of that, if all that was removed and never came to come back. Again. The Prince of Peace would rule and there would be no end to his peace. And then consider that the biblical peace, the shalom of God, is more than just the absence of war. It really means a total, complete place of well-being in God. It's a reality that uh, everything is right in my life. There's, 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 there's such a sense of peace that nothing is in disarray. Nothing is out of order. There's no strife. There's no anxiety. Well, I, we, we watched this uh, video a couple years ago of Derek Morphew. He's a South African vineyard guy. I can't do his accent. I wish I could because he's got this deep voice and this beautiful South African accent. But he, he talks about shalom, the peace of God. He says, you're on your veranda and you look out over your fields, your flocks and all is well. Your family is with you. 
You have your Israeli olives and your feta cheese in one hand and your glass of wine in the other, and you raise your glass and you say shalom. And when he says it, you can just feel the peace of God. Just come. You go, yeah, that's it. Everything is right. Nothing is wrong. That's the peace of God. That's the Prince of Peace. And, and it, it isn't available. It really is the peace of God because it's not available in this life outside of that. There's no way that you can grasp even what that would be like outside of understanding and knowing who God is. The world around us is filled with anything and everything but that all the time. There's so much strife. There's so much to be anxious about. I, I had an opportunity years and years ago now to pray for a, a, a lady one night at a service at the church we were at before we planted here. And she came up for prayer and uh, as a, in response to a, you know, an altar call kind of thing. And I went over and said, can I pray for you? And uh, she said, yes. And I said, what can I pray for? And she started telling me what was wrong and she had so many things. She had a list of stuff going on. And she's all these diagnoses and these diseases and, and the different medications she was on, the abuse she had, what caused this. It was going on, and I was overwhelming. I, I, I didn't even know where to begin. And I stopped for a minute, and I said, hey, just what would you want Jesus to do for you right now? And she said, I would just, if the noise in my head could just stop. And I just prayed that God's peace would come on her. And uh, I saw her eyes you know, just begin to tear up as the noise in her head stopped. And I realized, you know, we may not, most of us, I, I don't think, be in the condition that she was in in that moment, but sometimes we feel like it, don't we? You ever feel like that? There's so much noise. There's just so much noise. There's so much going on in the world around us. And to, to think that we could come to that place of total and complete peace in God's presence. Jesus is really the... Prince of Peace who quiets our hearts to begin with. He can calm that noise. He can quiet some of the peripheral stuff, the background, and, and just bring it. I, I love those opportunities. I mean, I, you know, I'm not always, I used to be more of a morning person than I am now, but uh, I, I like being up in the morning and being out because it's so quiet. It's one of the things about it that there's not other times of day where it's just so quiet as that. And you can you can really sometimes sense God's presence in that quiet more than you can when there's so much else going on. And uh, I, th I thought of a verse in Colossians that says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That's a prayer, really. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That's the prayer I prayed for that lady. That's the prayer that Paul tells the Colossian church to pr pray that the peace of Christ would rule in your hearts. And then he says, next, because... As members of one body, you're called to peace. Uh, I got to share with the youth group a couple weeks ago. and We talked about one of the questions that they had had. They submitted some stuff that they wanted me to speak on. And one of the things was, what are we called to? What's God called us to? It was really fun. We went through a whole list of scriptures, and they looked them up. I had a scribe right on the board, and we figured out we're called to several things. But one of the things we're called to is peace. God has called us to peace. He's not called us, and, and again, it's not just a lack of fighting, which it is that, right? Okay, we're not supposed to be at war with one another. He's called us to peace there. But he's also, he's called us to shalom. He's called us to have that peace of God in our hearts. So, I mean, at one level, it kind of, that all sounds good, right? Sounds good to, to let the peace of Christ dwell in our hearts, rule in our hearts, to be called to peace. But how do you do that. 
How do we get there? Second thing is Jesus is the Prince of Peace who opens our eyes. Okay, I have a progression of thought. I want you to stay with me. Follow the, 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 the progression here. There's a great prayer that I love in the book of Ephesians. It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened. So we pray that God would enlighten the eyes of our hearts. And that is a spiritual reality. We're asking God to do something that comes from his Holy Spirit because that's not attainable on our own. Sometimes in life we we think we can just try harder or do better, right? But let me tell you, to to grasp the peace of God, you could try really, really hard and you're not going to get it. To allow the Holy Spirit to enlighten the eyes of your hearts. You could try really, really hard, you know. But it's not going to happen. That only comes from God. It comes because we pray and we ask Him to enlighten our hearts. And when He enlightens the eyes of our hearts, it begins to change things. You know, I, when we worship, we gather to worship each week. And we, we always say worship is for God. It's not about us. It's about Him. It's our opportunity to, to tell Him we love Him and to praise Him. It's for Him. It's to him, through him, and from him. It's all about him. But the the reality is there's a byproduct of that in our lives. And the byproduct is that we come into the presence of God. When we come into the presence of God, the eyes of our hearts are enlightened and we begin to experience his peace. And it really does change everything. When the eyes of your heart become enlightened, you see the world in a different way. Jesus saw, let me just say, Jesus saw the world, the same world that we see. He saw the same people we see. He saw the same stuff that we see. But he saw it so, so differently. When Jesus saw people around him, he, he saw image bearers of God. That's what he saw. When he saw... I, I think sometimes, what would, it, you know, what would I think? When he saw Zacchaeus in a tree. What would I think if I saw a guy sitting in a tree? I'd think, there's a weird guy in a tree. You know? Jesus saw an image bearer of God. There's a, a demonized guy running around the graveyard screaming and yelling and cutting himself. What would we think? I would call 911. Somebody come. Jesus saw an image bearer of God. Jesus looked out over crowds of people you know, sometimes you see masses of humanity, you see crowds of people, you go, oh, God, it's too much. And he saw opportunities for the kingdom of God to come when he saw that. He looked at the world so much differently than we do because the eyes of his heart were enlightened. He, could, he, he had that presence of God in him and on him and with him. When we get in touch with God's presence, when his peace begins to rule in our hearts, when our eyes are open. All the brokenness, all the confusion, all the, all the stuff, the, the chaos of the world. We, we, we look through that, we see beyond it, and you really begin to see the beauty that God created in it all. I really think Jesus looked at every person, he saw the beauty that God created in them. We don't see that often because our eyes are, are not open to his spirit. Everything he looked at, he saw opportunity for his kingdom to be advanced. That's what I want to see happen in our lives. That God's peace rules in our hearts, that our eyes are open so we really see everything we see is an opportunity for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done. He frees us from fear as well. We talked about fear a little bit last week, but I just 
want to visit it again today, I'm reminded that the peace of God really is the opposite of fear. When you come into the presence of God and you have his peace on you, there's really nothing to be afraid of anymore. There's a peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. You know, the peace of God, the peace that God gives is not the same as the peace in the world. And we can say that. That's easy to say. But what does that really mean? This is what I think it means. What does peace mean in the world today? Peace means an end to conflict. Okay, so if there's a war, you know, during the Vietnam War, peace, right? We we want the war to end. We don't want peace. So peace means an end to conflict, an end to war. That's what peace means. The, The peace of God is a profound sense of peace in the midst of the battle. That's the difference. See, we live, we live in a, a spiritual battle all the time. God says, we have his promise that one day the war will end. There will be complete and total peace in the world. That it will all be gone. All the strife. Everything will be removed. But until then, God says, I can still give you my peace. I can still help you find that place of rest in the midst of the battle. That's the difference. That's the peace of God. That's the peace that only comes from God. One day, all of it will be gone. He'll take it all away. We'll be with him and everything will be gone. But until then, today, right now, here, in this place, in this world, in the midst of the war, in the midst of the strife and anxiety, we can know that peace of God in the midst of all of that today. That's the peace of God. That's the difference. We can know that shalom of God while the battle still rages around us. And I, I believe that we not only then become image bearers, but we become peace bearers. That we carry that peace with us and we can, people will see it. You've had that experience where someone goes, what is with you? It's crazy around here today. Why are you so calm? Well, because I have the peace of God in my heart. See, I think we can carry that peace with us and we can help extend it to others. That peace of God really is the substance of the blessing of God. When we talk about the blessing of God, that's it, right? That's, That's it. To have that, to walk through this life, to walk through our journey with him, with his presence and his peace ruling and reigning in our hearts and not be affected by the anxiety and the strife of the world around us, to keep our eyes focused on him, that really is, is the blessing of it all. He provides that for us. says that Jesus did that by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. The sacrifice of Jesus allows us to have that peace in our lives today. We really can't have it. It's there for us. We can stand in his peace in the midst of battle because of what he's done for us. Look, this is a profound passage in Romans. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, whom we, whom we have gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand. We boast in the hope of glory of God. Now listen to this part. Not only so, but we also glory in our suffering. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through God, the Holy Spirit, who's been given to us. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ in the midst of our sufferings. That's the peace of God. Even as the battle rages, we can find peace in the presence of God no matter what goes on in our lives. The natives are restless. I love that sound. I love that sound more than anything, really. 
I wish there was 50 of them in there just going nuts. I, 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 it's easy for me to say that, right, because I'm not in there with them. <laughs> Pray for those teachers. Shalom. Hey, one more verse. I'm going to end and we'll pray, okay? Uh, do a little study. Would you guys do that this week? Do, do a little study on the peace of God. Just Google it. You know, do, I don't know if you use Bible Gateway or whatever your Bible software is. If you, maybe if you're old school, you have a concordance. And we still have a concordance that they use. Good for you. I do now and then just for nostalgia. <laughs> <clears throat> but do a little study on the peace of God this week. Just take a few minutes, take, take a half hour. Uh, I think it'll bless you. Last verse today, peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that good? It's beyond our ability to even comprehend how strong God's peace is in our own hearts, but it guards our hearts and minds. It, will, it really will protect us from the external forces from, you know, that battle is out here happening and we can be guarded and protected from it by the very peace of God. That's pretty cool. I like that. Why don't you guys stand up? Who do I get today? Who's coming up? Everybody. Oh, shoot. I got all your stuff up here. I'm going to uh, pray while the worship team comes up. But if, if anybody has a, uh, a word this morning for direction for ministry. If God's been speaking to you, uh, we didn't take time earlier to share that, but I would encourage you to, we have a microphone set up, you can come up and share in a here. You, oh, look at, don't delay. Good word, Holly. Thank you. Go ahead, Amy.